0: We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. I'd like to talk to you today about the events that transpired that lead up to the celebration of Easter. It was in the 18th year of the reign of Tiberius. It was history's most defining year because it was the year of the cross. In the erratic course of history. There are many dates that are chronicled as noteworthy, but history reached its apex. It briefed its summit in the 18th year of the reign of Tiberius. There are other markers of human history that seem to be important to historians and those that are in the body of politics. Like 1754 B.C. when the Hammurabi Code was first enacted, from which our Constitution gathered some of its principles like a man is innocent until proven guilty. Or almost three millenniums later in 1215 A.D. when the Magna Carta was signed guaranteeing the rights to citizens other than the ruling family and king, and the right to a trial, the right for an accused to face his accusers in a trial. In 1776, we know there's a momentous day in American history when the Declaration of Independence was signed. And then, about 13 years later, in 1789, the United States Constitution was framed and signed by our founding fathers. Just as important a document was signed in 1863 by Abraham Lincoln, the Emancipation Proclamation, which freed Africans from slavery. Regrettably, it was not until 101 years later that the civil rights of 1964 actually Frame the Emancipation Proclamation and gave those their full rights and liberties as American. It's one of the dark pages of history in American society and American times, consequences of which we are still living with today. But in 1570 A.D., Martin Luther nailed his 95 Thesis to the wall of the Diet of Worm leading to the reformation the breaking away from catholicism and founding forever that we are saved by grace not of ourselves it is a gift of god lest any man should boast in most recent history september 11th 2001 we know as the infamous day when both world trade center towers the pentagon And one jet that was destined probably for the White House or Congress was brought down in the fields of Pennsylvania, bringing about almost 4,000 deaths in that day. Yet none of these dates are as fundamental to human history or affecting all of humanity as that of the 18th year of the reign of Tiberius, the year of the cross. Human genius, from Solomon to Socrates, did not have the answers for man's greatest need. No leader from Tiberius to Trump has been able to navigate this culture to a place where they could stand in hope and peace. Between Nebuchadnezzar and Napoleon, there was a Nazarene who rose on the scene who had the answer. He would have not answered with his life if there had been a way to answer us with his lips. There are answers that cannot be spoken. They must be lived. They must be suffered. Blood must be shed for the freedoms and the liberties of mankind. History is more than just a progression of events and dates. It is composed of people who hate and love, who laugh and weep, who live and die, sometimes in the convulsion and pain and horror of humanity. As I stated on July the 4th, 1776, the Declaration of Independence was signed. The date is correct, but the document was inadequate to give anyone independence. A war where tens of thousands died, to bring about the codification of that declaration and bring it into existence. But the price of freedom has always only been purchased by blood. We, too, are immersed in history. We are living in the year of the virus. There, these are facts which link us to the present man's endless history of heartbreak and challenge. When these events do not involve us personally, we stake them out on the edge of our consciousness and we forget them because they don't affect us. But every human being has their own micro history and despite all of the energy we expend to progress, we seem to find a lack of depth and achievement that really satisfies humanity. What takes decades and centuries to build is often destroyed in a matter of minutes or hours, sometimes days and weeks. So we must choose from the few options that are available to us how we're going to handle momentous times such as we are living in. To find a way out, some use a bottle. It is said of Frank Sinatra that he said, be it a devil or be it a glass of Jack Daniels, give me anything that will just get me through the night. Some drown their sorrows and their fight of life in drugs. Others find a release in sports or in entertainment or the un or the other opiates would it which at best postpone the questions however there is the day of the cross of jesus christ that answers every need that man has for 200 decades men have crawled out of every corner of history to revile the cross Intelligentsia has pelted the cross with its deriding laughter, doubting its merit, its purpose, and often even its reality. But I answer in the words of the Apostle Paul, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. And he asked this question, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after the wisdom of this world, men knew not God. You don't find God with your head. You find him with your heart. You cannot believe in your head. You must believe from the heart. Has the cross answered its critics? I don't know. They die, but it remains. Calvary builds its hope just one heart at a time. Calvary doesn't gather the masses. It makes one convert at a time. And now on April 12th, 2020, we're confronted by the cross once again. We are coerced by the calendar to observe this day. The cross is there to remind us that all life, both of animal and human and plant and vegetable, come from God. It is he who created us, created us in his image and his likeness, and gave us the right to choose. The man who died there did only, after 33 years of perfect existence, he was tempted in all points as we are. But you say, Pastor, there wasn't the alcohol and the drugs and the sin and the entertainment, the debauchery that existed in his time, that exists in our world. The Bible tells us all that there is in sin is the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. In all these points, he was tempted, yet without sin. But we often cannot live a day without failure. The cross just simply cannot coexist with the way of the normal life. Just as the cross is history's finest hour, the small quantum of time in which an individual is first introduced and come to embrace the cross is their finest hour. When you can say, I am crucified with Christ, Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. That becomes an individual's finest hour. We are often blinded by the cataract of ego. We no longer feel we need the cross, that the cross is simply some little tragedy that occurred millenniums ago. But God has a yardstick. However, in the mind of God, there existed a way to measure men differently by the codification of Moses. He would lay before us a yardstick, the cross. Then every man who stood on the cross could measure up to the righteousness and the glory of God by being lifted by the cross. All men gained stature by their standing standing. And presenting themselves at the cross. Jesus wasn't simply caught in some political machinery and was crushed in its gears. The cross was not an accident. It was not a tragedy that caught God by surprise. Not only did he anticipate it, he orchestrated it. He planned it before the foundation of the world. Many see the cross as one man trapped between Hebrew custom and Roman politics, but that just is not the case. Jesus is described as the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. There is nothing accidental about the cross because the cross was in the heart of God and in the mind of God before the universe was ever created. The cross was erected from blueprints that are older than the cosmos, blueprints that were carefully drafted, meticulously scheduled to occur in what the scripture calls the fullness of time. Hate breeds alliances. Vengeance comes robed in spite and retaliation. The Romans were retaliating because they didn't just hate that one Jew, They hated all the Jews. The Pharisees retaliated because Jesus exposed the hypocrisy. The Sadducees hated him because he drew men away from their false doctrines. The Herodians feared him because they misunderstood his kingship and the the realm of his kingdom. Many who scorn Judas for betraying him for 30 pieces of silver betray him on a daily basis for far less than that. Beyond Gethsemane, there was nothing left for Judas but a twisted gnarled tree. Betrayal contains within it the seeds of self-destruction. Men who betray others destroy their own existence and future We must all beware lest we sell the meaning of life for spangles and betray the Savior for a lot less than 30 pieces of silver. It is said the Galileans followed him, but they followed him as individuals. Every man must follow him as an individual. No matter what others do or not, I have chosen to follow him. It is such a long way from Galilee to Calvary, not in miles or furlongs or kilometers, but between Galilee and Calvary, there were tears, humiliation, heartbreak, and a thousand horrors that the human flesh is heir to. What a tribute that the Galileans followed. Judas betrayed, but they followed. Peter denied him but they followed. Pilate washed his hands of him, but they followed. Herod questioned, but they followed. Caiaphas denounced him, but they followed. The Jews cried, crucify him, crucify him, but the Galileans followed. Even though all hope was gone, some followed him all the way to the tomb. If they could follow him, In the face of such crushing despair, how can we deny following him all the way to the end? Judas is the ancestor of all who wear the duplicitous mask of allegiance and treason. However, the loyal promises of his disciples went unfilled. They said, we will never forsake you, but all of them fled. They vanished when the conflict became serious. Will that happen to the Master again in the coming end of the age and time when the oppression of false witnesses, when the oppression of the Antichrist will weigh heavy on the world? Will Christians who vow their loyalty today also evaporate in the stress of the time? You see, the cross has an aspect of belonging. You have to belong to the cross and own the cross. It belonged to Jesus. It belonged to him a long time before the 18th year of the reign of Tiberius. It was his long before the tree from which the cross was made was ever a sampling. It was his long before the cosmos was formed. Long before God on the black canvas of night took the hammer of time, struck the anvil of eternity, and spread its stars across the universe. Let us not push all the cross-makers back into the first century in the era era of chariots and swords and shields and scrolls. Skepticism as well makes crosses. Paul said, if one died under Moses' law, how much more shall he be thought worthy who trod afresh the Son of Man, who crucify him afresh, and bring him to an open shame. Men continue to crucify him today. The cross is not a one-time event. But the cross occurs every second, every breath of every human life. Wherever man sins, the cross is being replayed in the heart of God. If Christianity is, be, is to be preserved, someone must follow him. Groups do not follow Jesus. Families do not follow Jesus. There's no legacy at the cross. Only individuals can follow him. If there had been any other means for man to be saved, Jesus would have never gone to Calvary. If God didn't endure the ugliness of the cross, he did it so men might have an ultimate. He didn't do it so men might have an alternate route of redemption. There was no other way. Had there been a less costly way, he would have never gone back to heaven with nail-scarred hands. Wise men don't weep because the cross was wretched. Wise men weep because they are wretched. We stand 2,000 years removed from That cross on a hill of Golgotha outside the gates of Jerusalem. Apologizing for the part that ancient humanity played in their role. But that cross was erected because of us us, as well as them. I put Jesus on the cross. You put Jesus on the cross. Every human that has ever drawn a breath of air put Jesus on the cross. So was he the Messiah, or was he mistaken? Was he the Savior, or was he self-deluded? There's no halfway point between these two extremes. What are the credentials for what Jesus claimed? I declare today the cross is enough to validate any claim that Jesus ever made about himself. Do we realize what the cross really means for us? God could not save himself or us. One of us had to die. And he chose that that death would be his. Calvary is not a detracted project in which God was not involved. God felt the stigma of their mockery. God pioneered the way of sorrows. God wore the crown of thorns. Jesus is the only way to God. How did Jesus react to the unified hate that was fomented on him that day? He responded with love and forgiveness. Hate scourged love. Hate read love with a brow of thorns. Hate pierced, tore, beat, whipped, and mocked love. But love won, and it continues to win. Love hung, loving the haters, dying for his assassins, caring for those who were uncaring, wounded for those who would remain unwounded. The blood of Jesus is the witness of God's triumph of love. The cross means that God means business with every human life. Calvary is the place where God made a new agreement with humanity. Galgotha is not an Easter passion play where actors mimic the final chapters of the book of Matthew. It was God, caught up in the violence of sin, extending a new agreement, a better way to deal with sin. The cross was supposed to silence all of his claims, but it failed. The cross only substantiated them. The cross crosses belong on the backs of Christians. The cross doesn't free a from sin so we can live as we choose. The cross removes the burdens of sin so we can better able carry it. The kingdom of God has no citizens that are not cross bearers. How does the cross become ours? By realizing that I am involved in all the ignominious tragedy that occurred That day on the 18th year of the reign of Tiberius, I'm involved. I cannot share in the victory of the cross without sharing in the responsibility for it. I must accept my part in the cross. I have to understand my sin put him there. My failures put him there. My compromise put him there. My lack of obedience put him there. Many have seen the cross, but few have carried it. One must faith death to fully appreciate life. Death is a fact, sometimes a fact more unpleasant than life. It's the cross on one's back that identifies him as a Christian. If I have no cross, I am no disciple. What, the, what, did, what did Jesus mean when he stated we must all bear the cross? It's more than a trinket that we wear around our neck. It's more than a statue on the dashboard. It certainly isn't your spouse. The cross is identifying with your sin and realizing that you are responsible, that you and I alone are responsible for his death that day on the cross. Stephen carried his cross all the way to martyrdom. For Paul, it was shipwreck, stoning, beatings, hunger, and finally losing his head in Ostia. For Peter, it was crucifixion upside down. Death is never desired, not even in suicide. The suicidal seems that dying is less painful than living. Has the cross abolished death? Globally, millions will die this year. Tens of thousands are dying under this virus. The cross hasn't eliminated physical death. What is the definite de- definition of life's end which issues from the cross? Being and personality do not cease when respiration and pulse ceases. The death of Jesus was the last eternal death that ever needed to occur. This isn't theological double, double talk. Paul said it best, best. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What Paul is saying is that living in Christ is wonderful, but dying in Christ is magnificent. For to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who gave himself as a ransom for me. The doctrine of the cross is not there is not that there is life after death, but that there is life instead of death. The watchers that day felt no guilt, no shame, no horror at the sight of the cross. It's kind of like a day I remember reading of, a summer day in New York City. A woman in front of more than 40 witnesses was raped, beaten, robbed, and murdered. Forty-plus people looked on at that event. America was outraged because no one of those 40 intervened, not even to call the police. When asked and questioned later about it, they said, I just didn't want to get involved. That same feeling that must possess any watcher of the cross and not willing to become involved, you're just as guilty, you're just as guilty if you can view it and not embrace it. If we stand by and do nothing to prevent all the injustice that occurs in our world, we become guilty of that injustice and it's injustice to know about the cross and not embrace its ministry and healing health. To stand by and watch when a cross and its purpose is offered. And not embrace it. Become, become guilty of all the cross came to redeem. It's time to take up the cross. Like God, we cannot save others and save ourselves. It is impossible for a person to preserve themselves and perpetuate themselves at the same time. Jesus said, except a corn of wheat fall in the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. On a trip, sitting at an airport, I was sitting across, sitting across from a woman who was prim, proper, closed to perfection her makeup was impeccably impeccably placed on herself i saw that she was looking at a woman across herself who was setting a few seats down adjacent i could tell by the look on her face that she thought less of that woman than she obviously thought of herself i got up from where i was and went and sat down a few seats from the woman who was i had seen so i could look at the woman who she was looking at her clothes and hair were kind of mushed. her makeup was kind of helter skelter but then a young child ran up to this woman and hugged her and said words i love you mother you see you cannot preserve And perpetuate yourself at the time same time the church cannot preserve and perpetuate itself at the same time the Christian cannot preserve and perpetuate themselves at the same time you can do one of the other but you can't do both the cross is never imposed every person who takes it up must take it up voluntarily right where you are if you will reach out to the cross jesus will reach back to you if you've never been embraced by the cross until you've known its embrace of the one who hung there you don't know love you don't know the warmth of his arms would you begin a journey today that will lead you to him. You'll find more information on our website. Our office is closed during this period of time, but if you will leave your name and phone number on our answering machine, our pastor will return your call in a few days and give you more information. We have a simple, concise study on baptism and other important information. I want to pray for you before we close this service. We're going to give a song of invitation. You can kneel where you are in your home. If you'll reach out to the cross. This may be your first visit to Calvary. Or you may have been a long, long time since you've been there. Good Shepherd, we ask you today to acknowledge every heart that's reaching toward the cross god to everyone who is bending their knee or sitting on their sofa or easy chair repenting of their sins you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness as we pray for those who are beginning their journey to the cross today for those who are starting the way of the cross. I ask you to embrace them. God, let them reach out if they do not live in this city. Help us to connect them to a church that can give them complete guidance into full salvation. We pray for them today. Thank you for the cross, as painful, as horrific, as terrible and tragic as it was we know that you willingly picked it up and and carried its load and burden that you drank the entire distilled sewage of every man's sin god so pure so holy so blameless took our blame and for that we will be eternally grateful we pray for those that are reaching out to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you hurting, broken, thinner, by the way? For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.